0: After his long-term partner left him for someone she described as younger but more mature, David Bramwell knew it was time for change. He embarked on a global adventure to seek out his utopia, a community that would suit his singular needs and teach him how to be a better person. Following a spell in an anarchist commune in Denmark, notorious for stoners and drunken bears, he headed to a caravan park in the north of Scotland. To find out why, Join us for another journey on the number nine bus to Utopia, an auditorium six-part special. Episode two, The Angel of Findhorn.
1: When I told my friends I was taking a year out to go in search of Utopia, it had elicited a variety of responses. Most were sympathetic, some were jealous. A few of the more cynical shook their heads, and said things like, A waste of time, Bramwell. Don't you know that utopia is a state of mind? Or, Haven't you figured out that utopia is a special place in your heart? To which I smiled politely and blocked them on Facebook. Of course I knew this stuff, but this was my way of dealing with the heartache of a relationship breakup. I was genuinely fascinated by alternative communities and what I could learn from those living on the fringes of society. Christiania in the heart of Copenhagen had been a good starting point, but too hippie for my tastes, and not somewhere I could truly immerse myself in community life. One place that had been recommended by several people was Findhorn, the UK's largest and most successful spiritual community. After a month in Denmark, I returned to the UK, booked a hire car and headed north.
2: But first, a history lesson.
1: It's the early winter of 1962 and a trio of spiritualists living in Northern Scotland, Eileen Caddy, her husband Peter and their friend Dorothy, find themselves down on their look. They've lost their jobs at a local hotel and have moved into a small caravan park in Findhorn Bay, an hour's drive from Inverness. They've also got three kids. It's far from easy, owing to the wild Scottish weather, battering their tin home. Cramped conditions of the caravan.
3: Sorry, Sorry I can't Can reach I go chicken. To... No, let, no, I need to. All reach there. Okay. Oh, no. man out of the way. Oh, Peter. On, not there. Stop it.
1: And the presence of an RAF base next door, with jets screaming overhead every twenty minutes. They're not planning on staying in the caravan park for long, but Eileen's getting the voice of God, again.
2: Eileen, open the door, man. Garden.
3: What?
1: Eileen has been receiving instructions from God for many years now. But she's having difficulty tuning in, owing to all the racket.
3: It's no good, I can't hear you. Can you suggest somewhere quieter to tune in?
2: There's blogging. You can do their toilets or growing up and in the caravan. What? The caravan site toilets!
3: What now?
2: No! Best between the hours of four and six in the morning. They're as quiet as the proverbial. Trust me, I know a thing or two. I've been appearing in visions and throwing my voice for millennia. MILLENNIA!
1: Dutifully, Eileen went and sat on the cold loo at 4am each day, awaiting instructions. God's will was thus.
2: You must stay here in Findhorn. You must build a magic garden. Word shall spread. First to Kinloss and Milton Hill, then down to Glasgow, Carlisle, and out into the civilised world. Findhorn will become a great community, a city of life!
1: There must have been an awkward conversation between Eileen and her husband Peter later that day.
3: Listen, Peter. I know we'd all agreed to move to Aberdeen, but I've been chatting with God and he says we have to stay here and do some gardening. Uh,
4: And God's uh, 100% on this, is he? I only ask because I really, really don't want to stay here.
1: So all plans of escape were abandoned. The trio set to work, with Peter toiling in the patch of land by their caravan and Eileen on the loo, awaiting the latest instalment from God. But the soil was sandy and infertile, Needing extra help, their friend Dorothy makes contact with the spirit of a pea. She refers to these entities as devas, a Hindu word for being of light, and is soon having conversations with dwarf bean devas, rose devas, spinach devas and tomato devas, all in the garden.
3: How are the tomatoes, tomato deva? It's too cold for them today, but I shall try to protect. You can give them liquid manure in a few hours.
2: How is a spinach, spinach daver? If you want strong natural growth of the leaf, the plants will have to be wider apart. By leaving them as they are, you will get overall as much bulk in the leaf, but with not as strong a life force. Bloody plains!
1: The davers were offering practical but essential gardening tips. By late spring the trio had over a hundred vegetables, herbs, and fruit growing in abundance. Stories soon circulated Findhorn village of carrots the size of a Labrador's leg, tomatoes as big as a schoolboy's head, baby sweet corn the size of well, regular sweet corn. News travels fast, and before long Findhorn Caravan Park becomes part of the Hippie Trail. Peter provides eager young visitors with a caravan and a spade. Can you dig the garden? Yeah, man.
4: Oh, it's a trip. No. Can you dig the garden?
5: Oh, uh yeah, sure.
2: Ow! Ow! I'm not in the spinach, you twat!
1: Money and people pour into Findhorn. By the mid-70s, the caravan site and hotel from which the trio had been sacked became their property. Today, over 600 full-time residents live in the community. Talk of communion with plant spirits and God may have diminished, but Finthorn still honours nature through its eco-houses, ecological waste water treatment and gardens. Zealous visitors make pilgrimages to see the toilets where Eileen once communed with God, known as Eileen's Throne, and the trio's original caravan, which has been lovingly preserved, along with the plaque, Original Caravan. As a seeker, how could I resist such a place? Findhorn community is split into two sites. The main one is the king-sized caravan park, which incorporates an impressive eco-village of Scandi-style homes, some made from disused whiskey barrels from a nearby distillery. The main thoroughfare houses a cafe, shops and glass-fronted theatre. Unlike Christiania, the residents' dress code here is less tie-dye, more time team The other site is Clooney Hall, a former Victorian hotel, vast and gothic-looking, inside of which are juxtaposed many Findhorn touches, a unicorn-themed tapestry in the ballroom, cartoon angels on the doors, notice boards advertising holistic healing yoga, and a plaque in the dining room that reads,
4: We intend to create a welcoming energy in Findhorn with the Angel of Delight.
1: I could only hope it was butterscotch-flavored. Checking into my shared digs, I must admit, I was expecting my roommate to be a gentle vegetarian called Merlin, sporting a ponytail and linen trousers. I was wrong.
5: Hey roommate, I'm Carl. I'm Basie from metal band Demon Swallower. Perhaps you know Demon Swallower?
1: You a demon swallower fan at all? Not a fan of such. What brings you to Findhorn? Relationship breakup. That's a fucker. And you, Carl? Ha! Well,
5: one weekend I'm off my head on dope and speed, and this dolphin tells me I have to come to Fyndhorn. Same old story, no? Well, um... Hey, do you mind if I smoke in bed? Actually, I do.
1: <sighs> like Carl, I'd signed up for the Experience Week course, for a taste of community life. The other folk on the course seemed nice enough, but not really my people. At least Carl had an edge. The week was divided into activities, games, outings and daily work duties. I opted for gardening, keen to see the giant fruit and veg in the magic garden. Even our gardening supervisor, the seven-foot-tall Reese, appeared to have been supersized. Before we work
4: at Fendhorn, uh, we practice attunement. Uh, Let us hold hands, close our eyes and tune in to the task at hand. And... uh, how do we all feel today? Let's use a weather metaphor. David? Um, cloudy with
5: outbreaks of sunshine. Ah, oh, good. Er, uh, Wim?
3: Blue skies,
5: man. Good. at uh, Carl? No, I don't like this cheesy metaphor. Let's do rock songs. Ha <laughs> ha! I am Iron Maiden, number of beast.
1: The gardening was satisfying, but I was genuinely surprised by the vegetables. Now, we all know what carrots and potatoes and so on look like, and we all know roughly what size we expect normal vegetables to be. Well, the vegetables in Findhorn were exactly the same size as that. Carl and I were decidedly disappointed.
5: Hey, Reese, where the fuck are all the massive vegetables, man?
1: We concentrate our energies
5: elsewhere in Findhorn these days, Carl. Ah, so instead you all have the massive Struth coglers, eh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean the penis.
1: Work at Findhorn was also an exercise in anthropomorphism. The previous day on the tour of the kitchens, we'd been introduced to the cooker,
3: Mount Vesuvius,
1: the dishwasher,
3: Leonardo,
1: and the wall heater.
3: Say hello to Sam.
1: Giving equipment a personality and name, we were told, offered a greater inclination to treat them with kindness. I thought of Henry the Hoover back home, who had occasionally pat on the head after a particularly satisfying spot of cleaning. Good work, Henry. I don't know about you. I think we each deserve a beer. Oh, you're on the wagon? Oh, good for you. And then there was my knackered old printer, who'd get the finger every time there was a paper jam. I realised on reflection that he had a name too. King Thing.
5: How dare you speak to me like that, you fucking
1: peasant! I've told you before, this
5: cartridge is not compatible!
1: I made a mental note to be less aggressive to it. Him. It? Your Majesty! By the third day at Findhorn I began to loosen up and enjoy the company of my Experience Week group. A morning of dancing was great fun as we whirled around performing Scottish reels and jigs, swapping partners and snaking in and around each other. That afternoon, a trip was organised to visit Randolph's Leap, a nearby geological wonder. I walked the paths along the black swirling river with Rena. A sweet-natured Australian in her mid-fifties.
3: So, what brings you to Findhorn, David?
1: I guess I've always been interested in alternative lifestyles and communities. I decided to take a year out and visit as many as I could. And heartbreak, too. I figured I had things I needed to learn about relationships. I'm trying to go over this woman, Alex, who I didn't appreciate enough. How about you?
3: Not sure where to begin. Well, to get away from a husband who doesn't love me, for starters. Oh, I'm Sorry. Don't be. He's a jerk. It's not just that. My mother died earlier this year. That's been really hard for me.
1: Yeah, but that's tough.
3: Well, there's more, David, but I wouldn't dream of burdening you with my tales of woe.
1: I'm happy to listen if it helps.
3: Oh, thank God. Well, I used to be a teacher. A few months ago I was in charge of a group of girls in New Zealand on a mountaineering trip. Halfway up the mountain, one of the girls slipped and fell. I've been haunted with her death ever since. I can't go back to teaching. I don't want to be with my husband. You asked me why I came to Findhorn. I need to find some joy in my life again. I've had the second worst year of my life.
1: The second worst?
3: I'll tell you about the first worst tomorrow. Oh, right. Thank you, David. You're a good listener.
1: A good listener? Me? My ex would have enjoyed the irony of that situation.
3: I told you we were going out for dinner tonight. I've booked the restaurant. Now I find out you've invited that prat Tomo round to get stoned and watch repeats of fucking Buffy.
1: Yeah, but he's got a hush. You know, the episode where everyone loses their voices. Oh, that... you
3: never bloody listen.
1: <clears throat> Whew. sorry about that, Tomo. Ah, oh, don't worry
4: about it, mate. She's like that every time I come round. Shall I skim one up? Yeah.
1: I discovered Findorn's hot tubs later that day, hidden behind the theatre and overlooking the dunes. With good memories of hanging out in the hot tubs the previous month in the anarchist community of Christiania, I managed to cajole the majority of my Experience Week companions to join me. It would become our evening ritual for the rest of our time together. Here, we shared jokes and listened to the stories that had brought us there.
5: Yesterday, the trust game in the ballroom made me feel what it would be like to be an island in a cold universe. I don't want to feel that ever again, that void. That emptiness. I mean, I guess, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I miss my ma.
4: I'm finding this so beautiful—the the care and attention with which the work is done here. But you know, how to take this into the real world? This sharing and nurture for each other. I mean,
1: will we just fall back into our patterns as before? I'm here to learn about community, and deal with a painful breakup. I still think about it every day.
3: I don't know, I just got annoyed today. I'm in the kitchen with this guy and everything he does is just so slow. And I want to shake him. I guess I'm used to doing things quickly. God, it's frustrating.
5: People here don't exactly get down to business. That's the Finhorn way. In this world, there has to be tortoises and there has to be hares. But there doesn't have to be a race.
3: Thank you, Carl. I probably needed to hear that. I'm definitely going to tweet it.
5: Missing the point. I'm dealing with cancer, me!
1: As the stories and personalities of our group began to unfold, I started to feel a real tenderness for my companions. But look, with regard to the whole hot tub thing, I know what you might be wondering. At these communities, nudity was commonplace in the hot tubs. It didn't seem to be a big deal to residents, but being English, I do often get asked how I feel about getting naked with others. And to be honest, I don't have any issues with it. But then I did get over my initial shyness through trial by fire. Years ago in Berlin, I visited a swimming complex and, wandering about in my trunks, was about to enter the sauna when a burly female pool attendant grabbed me by the shoulder.
3: If you're going into the sauna, you must take off your slip.
1: My slip? What's my slip?
3: These, your swimming pants.
1: All eyes were on me. I froze like a rabbit in the headlights.
3: Take them off!
1: Horrified, I pulled my trunks down in front of them.
3: Welcome to Germany!
1: Ever since then, getting naked in a hot tub has been a walk in the park. Findorn was working its subtle magic on me. I was growing appreciative of its practice of attunement. Being the kind of person who normally rushes from one task to another without stopping to think, it made sense to start and end a task by sharing the moment quietly with my work colleagues. At mealtimes too, I was rediscovering the simple pleasure of communal eating enjoying the wealth of conversation at the dining table with people from all over the world. On the final night, a party was through.
5: Hey, I bought beer and chocolates for everyone. Hey, nice one, Carl, you coming for the group photo? Hey, yeah, come on, come on, come on, Dad, come Carl. I'm not too cheesy. On, I'm for a cigarette.
1: We'd all grown fond of Carl's mischief and big heart, big soul and medium-sized Strootkogler, but he wasn't a team player. He could be a stubborn bugger at times. And he wasn't always easy as a roommate. As well as smoking in bed, he talked in his sleep. And when I say talk, I mean shout. Hey, hey let's have a fucking party! Ooh. Carl, Carl, I'm trying to sleep.
5: Uh, pepperoni. Hawaiian. <laughs> Deep pan for cheese with extra anchovies. Uh,
1: Jalapeno peppers Carl, can you stop listing pizza toppings? Uh,
5: Butt plugs! So many butt plugs! Butt plugs everywhere!
1: (sniffs) With experience week over, my companions headed home and I needed somewhere to stay. I got a room with Jonathan, a yoga teacher who lived in Findhorn Village in a small cottage with tarot cards stuck to the walls and fairy lights around the window. I quizzed him about the sticky label in his computer that read, no P, no D. No porn and
4: no Debbie Harry. I spend far too much time on the internet looking at both. Oh, hey, check this out. You see that dark patch at the back of Debbie's head? She always bleached her hair herself, but she couldn't reach the bit at the back, so it was always black. Didn't you just... Oh, fuck it. We can't be perfect all the time.
1: While empathy had grown for the people at Findorn, it had done little to transform my scepticism towards some of the tackier New Age touches around the place especially the cartoon angels that adorn the doors and rooms. And there are adverts everywhere for self-development courses. Come to my life-changing four-hour workshop
5: and discover the secret at the end of life that will make death the most joyous experience.
3: For just £700, I can teach you how to have a conversation with God. Free scented candle for the first 20 applicants.
1: The Finnhorn shop sold car stickers that read... Never drive faster than your angels can fly. And it got worse. In the shop window, I even saw an advert for spiritual counselling for pets.
4: This is Bobby, is it? Hello, Bobby. Oh, he does seem sad, doesn't he? Of course, Bobby's sadness is a symptom of something deeper. I sense a spiritual disconnect, a, a blockage in his nose chakra, denying him access to his true, uh, higher spiritual purpose. But I'm here to help. Uh, we'll start with with some breathing exercises, uh, a gong shower, and, and I'm going to give Bobby his very own mantra: rah,
1: rah, rah, rah. Rah, 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 rah.
4: Come on, Bobby. Ra,
1: ra, but whenever my cynicism towards such things was unleashed, I had Julia to put me in my place. Julia had been living in Findorn since the 70s. She was a 60-year-old chain-smoking, asthma-wheezing Eastender with a penchant for colourful language and a heart full of wisdom and love. Her invitation for a cuppa during my second week at Findorn had turned into many put-the-world-to-right sessions, fuelled by strong coffee, cigarettes and our mutual affliction with insomnia. Julia, what's with all the cartoon angels at Findhorn? They're drawn on room signs, paperwork. I find this stuff really tacky. It's
3: just a fucking metaphor. Get over it. Look, some of our guests come to Findhorn to talk with bleeding davers and angels. I take that with a large pinch of salt. The point of Findhorn is to bring more compassion and awareness to people. That's why I came here. My former job was in politics. Compassion and awareness are discouraged in politics. There's no possibility of working with people's souls. Here, I can. That's more important than a fucking cartoon angel, right?
1: Weeks passed of gardening, washing up, attending courses, but the honeymoon period was up. I couldn't stay in a yoga teacher's room indefinitely, and my thirst for watching old YouTube clips of Debbie Harry on The Muppet Show, Debbie Harry being interviewed on Wogan and Debbie Harry Beauty Tips had been well and truly slaked.
4: Did you know that Blondie is psychic, and her name used to be Moon, and she's also got this...
1: Could I deal with the jets? Could I deal with Findhorn's remoteness? And perhaps, most importantly, could I deal with the sexlessness of the place? It was the breakup of my relationship with Alex which had set me off on my quest to find Utopia, and I realised part of what I was looking for in a Utopia was a certain sensuality, a certain sexiness. And Findhorn was about as sexy as a motorway service station. Even Julia had expressed doubts on this issue.
3: When I came here, I'd had enough fucks to last a lifetime. But I do worry that for most of the young people here, their idea of dressing up is putting on their cleanest gardening clothes.
1: To be fair, this was an issue that Findorm was attempting to address. On my final night, a young man, Victor, from a German free-love community, Zeg, had been invited to give a talk and drew quite a crowd... He seemed a nice enough bloke, but his flares and mullet were far from sexy, and as a speaker he was, well, let's just say, a little dry.
3: No, David, just German. (laughs)
4: Sex is not how you say knocking shop, but a safe place to explore sex and love. In an effort to free couples of their jealousy and possessiveness, we offer the chance to watch your partner having the hardcore sex with the complete and utter stranger. You like?
1: After the talk, a record-breaking number of us squeezed into the hot tubs. I ended up next to an attractive German visitor, Sabrine, who I'd met earlier in the week at a dance class. It wasn't long before the conversation moved on to love and sexuality.
3: Are you going to go out and visit Seg? Maybe. Can you speak German? No. Then you need a translator. I guess you'd enjoy sharing the intimacy of the experience with me also.
1: Do you know, Sabreen, I believe I would. (music) At the community, people like to talk about the Findhorn magic. Did you feel it, they'd ask. Truth is, I did. And it wasn't through some ethereal encounter with the spirit of a Satsuma, but something much more down-to-earth. I'd begun Experience Week thinking I'd have nothing in common with any of my group, except Carl. And I was wrong. In sharing time together, hanging out, telling our stories and listening, really listening, in only seven days, my heart had opened up to each and every one of them. Community life, I was realising, offered opportunities to build compassion. And what could be more important than that? As for living in Findhorn, well, bad weather and jets aside, there was a poignant moment one night when a long-term resident hissed in my ear.
4: Don't get me wrong, David. I I love living in Findhorn, but sometimes it just feels a bit, you know, staid. It needs shaking up a bit. What this place really, really needs is, is like a damn good crisis.
1: The irony of this got me wondering... Would the inevitable boredom of Utopia as a place of peace, harmony and hummus eventually lead its residents to desire some of the chaos and conflict of the world they sought to leave behind? Nevertheless, I had to admit, Findhorn had provided me with one of the most precious gifts a spiritual seeker could ever hope to receive. A drunken fumble with a German woman in a caravan. Was... was I actually starting to get over my ex? Perhaps, after months of being single. What I really needed next was a spell in a free love community.
0: The Number 9 to Utopia was written by David Bramwell with additional material by Dave Mountfield. It starred David Bramwell as himself with Emma Kilby, Graham Duff and Dave Mountfield in a plethora of small but essential roles. Script editor was Graham Duff. It was produced by David Bramwell and Andrew Mayling and is a special six-part series for The Auditorium podcast, funded by the Arts Council England. Music is by Oddfellows Casino. The book, The Number Nine Bus to Utopia, is available to buy on Amazon, and is even funnier and more philosophical than the podcast. Yeah, I know, it's hard to believe. The Auditorium is also a best-selling book, full of fascinating stories about pioneers, outsider artists, adventurers, and counterculture heroes. It's published by Hodder & Stoughton, and is available from Amazon and all good bookshops.